You are listening to the In Focus Church podcast. We believe God is going to meet you right where you are today as you listen and dig into His Word. Glad that you're with us today. Welcome to In Focus Church. We're in the final week in this awesome God series. Uh, I am grateful for those of you who are with us here today in person and for those of you who are online watching and participating that way. For those of you who may be joining us for the first time, and we've had a, a lot of those over the last few weeks. Uh, here's a little bit of a recap. And just so in case you missed any of that, or like I said, you did, you've never been here before or haven't watched online, we've been learning about the awesomeness of God as is revealed in his names and his encounters with different men and women throughout the scripture and then we we learn about him and his character and we looked a lot in the old testament thus far but in each of these encounters God revealed himself to a particular person in a very personal name which he gave or, or was given in that particular past scripture and this is important right that God has a name that God has names that we can know him by to describe his character and his attributes and through that we are able to know today even have a more intimate knowledge of God and his character through his names. We've been able to know God more intimately, more personally, and then even more corporately as a church worshiping together. And this deeper understanding of who God is should lead us to greater places of worship, greater places of holiness, and even a greater commitment to the mission God has for us. I believe that's probably part of the explanation over the last few weeks, particularly what we've experienced in corporate worship. I've been talking to not just uh, the team here and other people, but I've had these conversations throughout the weeks with different people just said something's different about the last few weeks and something was, I felt something different as we were worshiping God as we gathered together. And, and I know a few weeks ago I could just hear so many voices behind me as I'm standing here on the front row and, and those moments of corporate worship. And I believe that that is a, a direct correlation and a direct result of what we have been studying in God's word. It's because to know God by his names, to know him more personally is to love him. And then when you love God more, you want to worship God more, more wholeheartedly. At least that should be the case. The more I know him, the more I love him. And the more I love him, then the more I want to worship him with everything that I have. I hate to give a Christmas reference, but you know, like my favorite uh, Christmas movie, Elf, I love him, I love him, and I don't care who knows it, right? And that's going to tie in today because we're talking about Mary, which is often a, a story that is relegated to Christmas time, but it's really the capstone of this particular series as we're talking about the names of God. Thus far, a little bit more of a recap. We've looked at God as the self-existent God, that he's transcendent. He's Jehovah, my Lord. We've looked at the name of God. God, Jehovah, Shalom, that he is our peace, that he can bring peace to any and every situation, that he can bring justice to any situation, that God is compassionate. We saw that through the name El Roy, that God sees. That's the God who sees you wherever you are, whatever you're going through. You cannot escape the purvey and the view of God. He sees your life, but he doesn't just see your life. He is also the God who provides Jehovah Jireh. He has provision for you. So we saw God's redemption in that, that no matter 
matter where you are, even in the midst of your suffering, God can step into that and redeem. Why? Because as we said last week, he is El Shaddai. He is God Almighty. He has the power to do whatever he says according to his word. And so what he does is he steps into the middle of our messed up lives and gives us brand new lives because he is God Almighty. And this is his name. So that's a little bit of a recap. And today, as I said, we end up with the name that is revealed about God to Mary in the Gospel of Luke. So if you have your Bible with you today, let's turn to Luke chapter 1. And this is what we're going to see, that as we see his name is given, he, she is told to name him Jesus, which is Yeshua, and it simply means God's salvation. The most important name of God, Yeshua, means this, that because of the birth, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ, we can experience God's salvation. He's Yeshua, Jesus. Galatians 4 says this, you don't have to turn there, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. I love this passage of scripture because it explains so well what we're talking about this morning and what Christ has done for us. Redemption means basically this, to buy out of slavery. That's what redemption means, to buy someone out of slavery. People were slaves either to the law, that's why he was born under the law as the Jews, or they were slaves to the basic principles of the world as the previous verse says about the Gentiles. And Yeshua, Jesus, came to pay the price for their and our sin, pay the price of the penalty of sin, and set us free from the bondage of sin. Now here's the good news. He didn't just set you free from the bondage of sin. Additionally, this is what God did. Through him, Jesus, now as human beings, we can be adopted into God's family so we're not only moving out of bondage into freedom, which is amazing, but on top of that, we also get to move into the household of God where we are called heirs with God and co-heirs with Christ. This is so important because freedom without home is useless. I'll let that just linger. Being set free from slavery and bondage to sin without being invited into a home and given a family and a community really doesn't do us any good. So God did both through Jesus. He set us free from the bondage of sin. He gave us freedom and he called us sons and daughters and he gave us a family and a home. So if you have your Bible today, as I said, Luke chapter one, I want to tell you real quickly where we'll be headed the next few weeks, just as uh, before I read that passage of Scripture. Next week, we're going to have what we've called historically Vision Sunday. It's basically a Sunday where I just take some time to talk about where we've come from and where God, I believe, is leading us in 2021. I think this is very important, right? The Scripture says that without a, a, a vision, God's people perish. So we want to see and, and know as best of our ability some of the things God is leading us to, things that he has told us in the past that we're remaining, remaining faithful to. And it actually helps us to think about Vision Sunday this way. We will remember correctly and we will look forward prophetically so that we can stay committed missionally to God's divine purpose for our church. We'll remember correctly, look forward prophetically, 
so that we can be committed missionally to God's divine purpose for this church. So don't miss that next Sunday. And then the following Sunday, we'll start probably a six-week series uh, entitled Lament, the language of exiles, as we talk about the biblical prayer of lament. Now, let's start to read God's word, starting in verse 26 of Luke 1. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. So Lord, we just ask that you would bless your word today and reveal to our hearts how we can apply it to our lives. See, in this context, Luke is writing to what? The, the Gentile Christians, in essence, to instruct them and impart to them. That's kind of the theme of his, his particular gospel, that the Gentiles are a part of God's plan. That they, though they were once outside of God's plan and it was just the Jews and that's what everybody thought, right? Jesus was saying, listen, now God's people, God's promises, the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies, it includes even you. Luke repeatedly emphasizes that the salvation Jesus brings is for all people to ensure that the hearers are a part of God's salvation narrative and that also they know that they are a part of God's mission to bring the good news to the rest of the earth. And then if we talk about the overall storyline, the narrative that we, we see in all of Scripture, what we see in this passage is the fulfillment of the redemptive mission of God that he had from the beginning and that he planned and that he promised in and through his son, Jesus Christ. It's the great love story of Scripture, the greatest love story ever told, seen through God's grace in giving and making a way to restore us back into a right relationship with God that had been severed because of sin. And so now we have the ability because of this announcement of what is about to happen. Now, I want you to notice how God initiates this amazing message that he's given to Mary. Because we all know how you start a conversation pretty much sets the tone for how that conversation is going to go. Right? We all know this. We, we know this as uh, maybe married couples. We know this as friends. We just know this as human beings. Like if I say, listen up, moron. Okay, that's probably not going to go to a very productive end of that conversation. I usually don't start my conversations with that way. And if somebody starts them that way with me, then it's probably not going to end very well. Now, although God probably could start conversations with you and I that way, right? Just me? Is that just me that he could call a moron? Okay, so just me because there are definitely times in my life where I've done moronic things. I've done things that weren't pleasing or that I'm like, Lord, I'm sorry. And he probably could say that, but that's not how God is. That's how we are. He actually applies his own character, right, to how he speaks to us and he does so through grace and assurance. So here's what he does with Mary. Verse 28, and he came to her and he said, greetings. That's like a real, you know, Happy greeting. Oh, favored one, the Lord is with you. 
Now there's so much there. There's like these three different greetings, but God has a message for Mary and he initiates this encounter with her at a specific time in a specific place to her, a specific person. The specific time, as Galatians says, was the sixth month when the fullness of God had come. This was his specific time. God's never late. He's never early. He's right on time. And this was the specific time. The specific place was Nazareth. Why was that important? To fulfill the prophecies about how the Christ child would come. Nazareth was known as one of those places where everybody was that was from there were despised and, and condemned, right? That's why Nathaniel said in John 1 46, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And we know how this is, right? Because we'll talk about the same way because this person was born there or on that side of the track or from that particular location or that region of the country. Can anything good come from whatever? Fill in the blank. And this is exactly what Nazareth was, that Jesus was born there. So to come from Nazareth, therefore, or to be a Nazarene, which he was, was the same as to be despised or esteemed of low birth. Oh, man, nothing could come good from there. See, I'm not going to use anything as an example because it would surely offend somebody, right? I'm not going to use a city, not going to use a location, not going to use a climate, not going to use a nation, but this is the idea here, right? This would fulfill the prophecy that the Messiah would come to save his people, and yet he would be a root out of dry ground, having no comeliness that would attract people to him. He would be despised and rejected of men from whom men hid their faces and esteemed him not, Isaiah 52 said. Why? Because he was from Nazareth. Nothing good comes from there, but he was born in that specific place for a reason, and he was born to a specific person, Mary, and God is so awesome that he doesn't come like we come to our conversations, but he gives Gabriel, who's kind of the good news angel, that's what I'd want to be the good news angel, right? He gives Gabriel, the good news angel, this, these first three phrases in delivering the message to Mary with grace and assurance. And this is the way that God speaks to us still today, with grace and assurance. He gives one greeting, right? This is his greeting. God's message to Mary via the angel is full of excitement. It's like greetings, you know, and that for us, we're like, we don't ever say that to anybody. That would be weird. If you come up to me today and say, greetings, I'm going to be, What? You know, like, you just don't do that. Now, you may somewhere, we don't do that down here. Just, what's up? Hey, you know, what's up? Hey, this is how this is. He's excited. And why? Because at this point of the message, it's not fleshed out, pun intended, but we know that there's rejoicing because there's an announcement of and a declaration of the conception of Jesus. It's the conception of God's salvation for the world. The messenger, the angelic messenger, which they all knew what was about to come, right, is excited to greet Mary because the word is literally becoming flesh. That's what he's saying. The word has become flesh. It's like, this is about to happen. The word, the living word, Jesus is about to become flesh. So he's, he's excited to greet Mary and tell her this. And secondly, the passage is crystal clear that this message is given to Mary, not because she did anything to deserve it, but because of God's divine choosing of her. Hey, it's you. Nobody else would pick you, but I pick you. It's how God chooses us. It's not anything that, that draws us us to him he comes because of his great love for us so when the angel addresses mary as the favored one right that's the you've found favor with god why so she could be confident and secure that god is for her and that god is not against her that's what we all need like when we know god is for us and not against us then then we feel confidence that the message that he's about to give her which is going to be kind of a hard one one that's going to be unbelievable that she'll know that it's this message means that god's for her and not against her because there's definitely been times in my life 
And maybe you've been there too where you feel like God said something to you and yet it doesn't seem like it's good news. Like he asks you to do something and that does, or he, he leads you to walk through something and it doesn't seem like it's good news but you know that if God has put his hand upon you and he favors you like he's telling Mary then you're able to accept whatever the situation is as God's plan and God's purpose and you're confident that he's going to work it out for your good. Like Romans 8.28 tells us. I've had that many times in my life where I feel like there's a word given. I remember a prophetic word in particular sometime back in 2005. And some of you know Pastor Jim LaFoon who is in our Every Nation World and he gave this prophetic word to me and to Carla. We were sitting at a church in Jacksonville, Florida and he's, we're sitting on the front row like some of my family's sitting right now. And he goes, I don't normally do this right in the middle but I need to tell you all this. And he started, I'm like, all right, great. I love a good, encouraging prophetic word. And it was the most depressing prophetic word I've ever received in my life. I'm like, I thought prophecy was supposed to be encouraging. Like, and yet when those things began to unfold in my life and the pain that I began to walk through over the next year began to happen, very much like God had said that it would, all of a sudden I was able to do that because God had shown me ahead of time that it was coming in such a way that's like, Lord, I don't want to go through this, but I am confident that you are with me and I'm able to trust that you're going to work this out for my good. This is how God was working in this. Mary, I know this is going to be hard to believe, but God's favor is on you. And so he gives Mary this specific calling as well, that God has chosen her. And he says, the Lord is with you. The Lord's with you, Mary. And this is the greatest thing that she could hear. Okay, if God is with me and he's chosen me, then this conception and this birth and this responsibility to raise the son of God is going to be something that he does. Have you ever felt like God called you to do something that you like were totally unprepared for or there was no way that you could make that even happen or attempt to do? We've probably all been there at some point in time. What about parent the son of God? None of us have been called to do that, right? How about you parent, you're gonna be the mother of the son of God. And because this is such a massive calling, essentially Gabriel is speaking and building faith with all of these things, this greetings, rejoice, receive the grace, oh favored one, and embrace and know that the Lord is with you. So what was Mary's response after all of this? Probably similar to what any of our responses have been when God has told us something where we didn't feel like God had really uh, made the right decision. God, you must have made a mistake. You talking to me? You're asking me to do this? Or maybe we just don't really want to go where God's calling us to go. Or maybe we just don't want to undertake what God's called us to undertake. Maybe we don't want to walk down into the valley where God is leading us. And so we say, God, maybe you've got this wrong. So this is exactly kind of how Mary responds in verse 29. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Greatly troubled. Despite Gabriel's gracious attempts at Greetings, favored one, God's with you. She's still greatly troubled. The scripture says greatly troubled. It's the Greek word that basically means this, diatarasso. It conveys this idea of being acutely distressed through and through. This is how she feels. And maybe you felt this way. Like, oh my goodness, Lord, really? Oh Lord, what, what, what's going on? Why am I going through this? What are you asking me to do? And this is this thing, she's greatly distressed. And yet it also says right there in that verse that in the midst of this distress, she attempts to discern and decipher what the angel is saying. You know what this is? This is Mary's moment of going, wait, what? Wait, what, what, what did you say? Okay, 
I'm going to be the mother of the Son of God. All right, I got, got to wrap my mind around this. That's what's going on. And maybe you've gone through that in your life. I'm sure you have. If you've walked with Jesus for any amount of time, you will go through these moments where God speaks to us something that is bigger than ourselves, for sure. And we come to this place of, of trying to, to do something that is bigger than us. So we try to discern and fathom and understand and wrap our minds around what's going on or how this is going to happen. What are you saying, God? Listen, I, I know you're good and I know that you're able and, and I like to sing those songs. But really? Me? Or maybe if you're like me, God's leading you through some things and, and you don't get that necessarily discernment of exactly what God's up to immediately. So you're still waiting to understand. You're still waiting to try to figure out why am I going through this? You're still waiting to try to figure out why are we walking through this? And all of a sudden you're getting tired of all of that because time keeps passing by and you're going to wonder if you'll ever discern what God is up to in this thing. Now how long we try to discern... I think it's directly related to how big the call from God is. Because there's some big things that he calls us to do and there's some just normal mundane things that he calls us to do. And I think the bigger the call, the longer we stall. Like, I, you know, I know that rhymes, but maybe you'll remember that. It's like, we're like Mary in this moment, right? The greater the call, then I'm gonna be like, uh, yeah, Gabe, uh, I'm gonna get back to you on that one. Like, let's do this conception thing next year. Let me just see if I can figure out what in the world's going on. And we'll do the same thing with God. Like, God, I don't know about this. I don't know about me. And, and here's Mary. Like, she knows the prophecies. She knows the Bible. Like, she would have, as a good Jewish person, she would, have, she would have known these things. She would have known that there was supposed to be a virgin, that the Messiah was going to come this way. But what she's doing is going, I know there's supposed to be a virgin, but, it, but it's me. I'm, I'm actually that virgin. I'm the one. In verse 30, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. So what does Gabriel do? The messenger of God quickly affirms Mary's great trouble by encouraging her to not be afraid. Do not fear is a common command from biblical angelic messengers. I wonder why. Because it would freak you out. Like, if you go home today and you're sitting in your room trying to take a Sunday nap, and all of a sudden, the glory of the Lord shines, shones round about you, and you look up, what are you going to do? Oh, that's cool. <laughs> no. It, it, it's, that's why it's almost, whether it's the shepherds or Mary or whoever else, do not be afraid. Yeah. Okay. It's a common refrain to hear this as the people of God. Don't be afraid. It's a common refrain to hear this as people of faith. Don't be afraid. Why do we need to hear this? Why do you and I constantly need to hear this? Why do I battle with fear? Why do I default to fear instead of faith? Because the higher the calling, the higher the anxiety of man. And you want to know why? It's because we can't do it in our own strength. Like we can't do it with our own gifts. I can't muster up enough strength or intelligence or power or whatever it is to, or wisdom to get through this thing without God's help because the call on my life exceeds the ability in my natural ability. So I panic and I understand and this angel is undeterred and it just keeps on, he just keeps on encouraging Mary by telling her, you found favor with God. And he's reassuring that God's messenger is right, reiterating that she's found favor with God. That word favor is charis. It means grace. It means kindness. So it's the grace and the kindness of God is on you, Mary. This is good news. You found favor with God. 
And he repeats this point over and over again to assuage her fears and instill greater faith. And many times, if you're like me, and I'm pretty sure that you are, God has to repeat things over and over to me again and again to assuage my fears and instill greater faith. It's okay, Brent, let me tell you again. It's gonna be all right, Brent, let me show you again. It's okay, I'm gonna come through as I always do, Brent, but let me tell you again. Let me show you again and over and over again. And I can't tell you how many times I still go back to God just like I did this past week. And I'm asking God, hey, on this Sunday, God, could you do this? It just would really encourage me, God, if you would do this. And it's like, if I'm God, I'm going, I've encouraged you 795,000 times, but I'll do it one more time because why? He knows our frame and he's gracious and he assures us. And so he comes and he encourages us again with his kindness and his grace. And he tells you and he tells me that he's speaking faith into us just like this messenger for the undertaking, the assignment and the calling that he's given you. Verse 31, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now here's the big birth announcement, right? We've talked about this before. Nobody does birth announcements like God does birth announcements. So quit trying. No angelic messengers coming to announce to everybody that you're having a baby boy. But we're all excited. We are. But this announcement is like you're going to conceive, you're going to bear a son, and you're going to call him Jesus. God gives Mary the most amazing call ever in a specific, specific call for her life. If I have to say the word specific one more time, I'm going to lose my mind. After two services of saying specific, I just can't say it anymore. Just think about this for a moment. I want you to. This is a young teenage girl. She is a a normal human being. And it's mind-boggling to actually imagine this special call to conceive, bear, and name the Son of God, Yeshua, God's salvation for the world. Like you've stressed over what you're going to name your child. Like we do, like let's name our children biblical names that have meaning and, and I like it and that's what we did. Like Caleb, Judah, David, Josiah, Anna, Joy, you know, and on down the line. And here's the reality. It was never gonna be God's salvation for the world. Like no matter what name we came up with, nothing is like this. So here's the personal application, some of it for us. If you belong to Jesus, you're called according to his purposes, right? You're living for him. You have a specific call on your life for a specific time, and it's for you today. God has called you to make disciples and to honor him with your life. That's your call. Like to bring the good news of Yeshua, God's salvation to the people around you in your world, to the world around us, if you will, whatever your world is. This is that call specifically given to all of us and the one unique calling that all of our other callings flow out of. Like you have something unique God's called you to do. Some of you have gifts and talents and they're unique to you because God's made us unique in that way. But those unique callings and gifts and talents that you have, all of those flow out of this one that we all have to be ministers of reconciliation, to honor God with our lives and to let other people know that Jesus, God's salvation has come to this house and he could come to yours as well. That's what we do. And I think we could sometimes, if not oftentimes, too many times, lose sight of the mission of God. This is the mission of God for all of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. This past year would be a great example of how easily the church can lose the mission of God. 
Because not saying that we don't focus on the things that God's called us to and do the things that God's called us to, but the result of all of those things, the purpose of all of those things is to point people to Jesus Christ who is ultimately the Savior of their lives. And we can get so offended and so messed up and one of the best things that we do and need to do in times of difficulty and even division is to make sure that we get our eyes off of ourselves and put our eyes on Jesus and our hands back on God's call to the mission that he's given us. Our primary goal in all we do is to point people to the saving power of Jesus. His power is not just to save us from ourselves and our difficulties, which he can do and does, but also to save us from eternal death. This is a constant spiritual battle, I'm telling you especially to be the church, because the devil loves it when we are distracted from the mission that God has given us by the minutia of secondary or even irrelevant disputes. Like we'd rather argue about stuff that's not gonna change a thing than actually do the thing that God's called us to do. Let's argue, let's pout, let's withhold our time. You know what? I'll stop serving at the church. You know what? I'll stop giving too, because I don't really like that. I have a problem with this. I have a problem with that. Let's be self-righteous a little bit. And all the while, the devil is laughing because we're not doing the work of the gospel. We're doing the work of the devil. And on top of that, there could be some other specific calls that God has for your life that you've received, things you know God's called you to do, but for whatever reason, the mission has taken a back seat to the mundane parts of managing life. And I, I have to do this, and well, I've got to go do that, and maybe next year, God, and I'm so busy at work, and then what about the kids, and then this new Netflix series that I got coming out, I still have to catch up with seasons two, three, and four before I get to season five, and, and if this is the case, we should not wonder why there's a lack of joy, passion, and progress in our spiritual lives. You can't move forward while you're backing out. Go back to our text. And the significance of this name Yeshua in verse 30, this is the first time the name Jesus is noted in the Gospel of Luke. So this announcement is significant. It's the law of first. You can look that up if you'd like to. Introducing Jesus, Yeshua, God's salvation. The name Jesus is a Greek word. It literally means Joshua. That's why Joshua in the Old Testament is a type, if you will, pointing to the greater Joshua, which would be Jesus. And even that name in the Hebrew is a combination of Yahweh and Yasha, which means to deliver, meaning God saves Yahweh is salvation so here's the name of Jesus God's salvation and it's illuminating again just like we said every name El Roy Jehovah Shalom Jehovah Nisi Jehovah Jireh Jehovah Rapha all those things pointing to the attributes and character of God but this one this name is saying describing the character and the attribute of God's great love and redemptive plan throughout all of history that comes in the name of Jesus that's how this name is so powerful now, after all this extra encouragement, after all of this explanation, after all of this grace, right? And, and Mary, he's telling Mary, look, all the things that you heard about, this is from the house of David and Jacob, all these things she would have known. It was just extra encouragement, building her faith. Listen, this is exactly who the Bible says that it is. This is the Messiah. You're the one. After all of that, what was her second response? Because now's her second response. You ever do that with your children? Okay, your first response wasn't good. Let's go over this again. Now, what's your second response? Okay, now I'm just going to beat you. No, I'm just <laughs> Oh, did I say that on TV? In love and lightly with, with 
Just a little tap. <laughs> Mary responds again to the big news. Look, you can ask my kids. They, they, they get, they got it so good. They're staring at me like now. Mary responds to this big news. Here's what she says, verse 34. How will this be since I am a virgin? Like she's not distressed anymore. There's no great trouble. There's no diatarasso stuff going on here. But it's a simple practical question. How will this be because I'm a virgin and virgins don't have babies? Mary's not doubtful. She's not skeptical at this point. She's just come to a place that we all come to many times. Okay, God, I, I, I can accept what you're telling me. I can believe that you're able to do this, but how? How? It's a practical question. I'm merely wondering about the logic uh, with the given reality that I am, you know, how is this going to happen? And I think this is a place where all of us can go cognitively as well when God speaks to us through his word or he leads us into places that he wants us to have faith and to trust him. It's like we can say, okay, God, I trust you. You've encouraged me enough. You've proven yourself faithful to me enough. I trust you, but how? But as we've said throughout this entire series, when we know what God has said because of who he is, because of how his name describes him, even if we do not understand how, and most of the times we will not, we can still trust he will fulfill his word as it relates to our lives so why is Mary's response to God's unbelievably good news different this time because Mary's heard the faith-filled words of this messenger that we've been reading in verses 30 through 33 the messenger's instilling confidence in Mary by encouraging her not to be afraid by repeating that she's favored additionally he gives her the exciting hopeful promises that Mary will conceive and bear the son of God God's salvation which is the fulfillment of all these prophecies that she would have known and here's what happens. We can see that Mary's heart and posture have shifted from fear and distress in verse 29 to faith in verse 30 and 31. And the same has to happen for all of us. You want to remember it this way. Our hearts must move from fear and distress to faith and trust. And whatever it is that we're talking about, whatever it is that God's talking to you about, it's not fear and distress anymore, but it's faith and trust. Has there ever been a time that God instilled faith and confidence through his word that changed and transformed your heart posture from fear to I embrace the call on the assignment, but I just don't know how it's gonna happen? I mean, I've been there, and I know he's done that for me. Like, in particular, when we, we adopted our, our youngest two children, this was years ago, and we, we were going to adopt from South Africa, and it was like Carla and, and my oldest son, Caleb, were like, hey, we feel like God's calling us. And I'm like, well, I'm going to need to feel like God's calling me, too. Like, I've got to be a part of this as well. But they were the first, right? They're bringing the idea. And, and then as God began to bring me along and began to encourage me and to reveal himself, this is something that I've called you to do. This is something I want your family to do. Well, then the next thing is like, okay, God, I believe that. Okay, God, I'm down with that. Okay, God, let's do that. Well, then the next thing was like, but how? Like, like, how? That's a lot of money, and I don't have that money, and I don't know a lot of people that do have that kind of money. How? And yet God didn't necessarily tell me the how. He just showed me the how. That's what God will do for you, my friends. He won't always tell you how, but as you step out in faith, he'll show you how. So I said a moment ago, oftentimes we don't get an answer on the how, but Mary did. In her case, we'll finish up this story. The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born, will be called Holy, the Son of God. Gabriel answers Mary's question of how by reassuring that all of this will materialize by the supernatural power and works of God, not her. First of all, the Holy Spirit will come upon her. Then the power of the Most High, he says, will overshadow her. That is a Greek word that means envelop or to cover with a cloud, 
The word overshadow carries this sense of the holy, powerful presence of God. It describes that in the tabernacle in the Old Testament. It's the same description in the transfiguration where the voice of the Lord comes out and says, this is my son who I'm well pleased. It's a striking reminder of this verse with Mary where the life that results from the enveloping cloud of the Most High is identified as the Son of God in this moment. This child will be called holy because of the connection with the Holy Spirit and because of Jesus' life of purity. And the Holy Spirit enters into this passage to illuminate the Trinitarian God, which has always been, and it's not what Mary does or who she is that determines the fulfillment of God's promise, but all is attributed to the acts and the power of God. It's the same for us. It's all whatever happens in and through our lives is attributed to the power and the acts of God. That the Lord is with us. And even though our passage is up to Luke 135, it bears mentioning before we go today that in verse 36, God gives Mary, her cousin Elizabeth, to walk through this faith journey alongside her. You've heard me say many times here at InFocus Church that we're better together. Or as my friend, Pastor Adrian says, we all we got. We're better together. And right from the beginning, God provides Mary with somebody to walk this life, even this pregnancy life with this amazing, miraculous child in her womb. Same with Elizabeth, right? And all of a sudden, he gives her this person to walk alongside because God's heart for togetherness is portrayed over and over again in the next generation. We can see that between John the Baptist and Jesus. Listen, if you think your call from God is to walk alone, you've answered the wrong call. Hang up. It's, it, it, it's spam. It's that call from Colorado Springs that you're like, no, I don't know anybody there. Hold, hold on. This is second service. I got time. Because I keep y'all here until Super Bowl. Uh, 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 this is the Treasury Department. You owe $7 million, and if you don't pay it soon, we're coming for you. Okay. No, I don't answer those calls. I don't know you. You don't know me. And some of us have answered calls from something we don't know. God calls us to walk this out, the calling on our lives together. Then furthermore, verse 37, it says, for nothing is impossible with God. This is the expanded answer to Mary's question in verse 34. Like, how is this going to happen? Because nothing's impossible with God. That's how. When Mary understands who God is, her response to the calling of the conceiving, birthing, and raising the Son of God becomes crystal clear. God's going to make it possible. You can't do it in your own strength, but God can. Because nothing is impossible with him, Mary. And if she partners with him as her servant, his servant, all of a sudden she realizes that she could trust God and allow the Holy Spirit to overshadow her life, envelop her life to do what God's called her to do. When we know and experience who God is, we too can respond the same way. Verse 38 says, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. We need an encounter with God to receive our calling, but we need an ongoing relationship with God to fulfill our calling. God's calling requires both an encounter with him originally, initially, and an ongoing relationship with him forever. 
that's ongoing. If you're a Christian in here, maybe you're listening this morning and you've had an encounter with who God is. That's how you've come to know Yeshua, God's salvation through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. But as we move on in this ongoing relationship, many times God's awesomeness, we can become numb to it. It's just mundane. It's no passion anymore. And sometimes we need to re-engage our initial calling when we were called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Where, where were you when God called you? What messenger did he use? What friend? What coworker? Whatever it was, what messenger did he use to call you to God's salvation? And then you remember the transformation God made in you and through you through Jesus Christ. The empowering of the Holy Spirit. The overshadowing of God's presence. And maybe right now you found yourself responding with fear instead of faith to the things God's called you to do will know this. The same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives inside of you and can overpower you and you can embrace God's call as the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The Most High overshadows you. And also, if you don't have brothers and sisters to walk this journey out with in the body of Christ called the church, then ask God and your leaders will be helpful. We'd love to help you connect to somebody like that in the spiritual family. And then lastly, let me speak to those of you who God would not call a believer because you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe you would call yourself a Christian, but God wouldn't because you've never surrendered to Jesus. But understand this, no matter where you come from, no matter what you've been through, all of us are broken in need of a Savior. Maybe today I can have the privilege of being the messenger that God would use to point you to God's salvation today. You may not understand everything that I've said, but I want you to know that God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to die for you. That God's salvation came through Jesus Christ to give you a hope and a future. And he doesn't just promise you an eternal life, he promises you an abundant life now with a spiritual family, a church body, a place to call home, a place to do life and to walk life out together. Acts 4.12 states the truth with perfect clarity. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Yeshua, God's salvation, is the pinnacle of God's character. God so loved the world, John 3.16. He's the way, the truth, and the life, John 14.6. God is the initiator of the good news, God's salvation. He invites us into that saving relationship with him by grace, and he does so with grace and assurance. And I hope we'll all respond the same way Mary did. I'm your servant. How can I be a part of God's salvation to the world? Whatever you say, God. And then lastly, I'm reminded of Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus has the name above all names because Jesus Christ is Lord. This name given to him by his father affirms his divinity. It affirms his supreme authority. It affirms he has every right to save you and to give you a purpose and a hope both now and forevermore. My hope and desire is that you would respond to that if you haven't and that we would continue to be a church that exports the fact that Jesus is God's salvation for all who would call on his name. Amen. You have been listening to the In Focus Church podcast. We hope God met you right where you're at today. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a rating wherever you're listening from and visit infocuschurch.org for more on all that's going on in the life of our church.